Last season, I had the privilege of being a part of a number of conversations diving into the topic of questioning. Questioning God, questioning the church, questioning Christianity. And in the midst of that, I heard of a number of wounds that came from the church. And so coming back to that topic during this healing series seems not just relevant, but important. Because a lot of people have been hurt by the church, by Christianity, by religion. If I'm honest, my deepest wounds have come from people who desire to follow Christ. And so if we're going to talk about healing, we need to address this topic of wounds from the church, wounds from Christianity, wounds from religion. But how do we address this? Well, this wasn't initially on my list, but when I felt a pretty strong nudge to reach out to Michael, I realized that he could really press us into this topic well. I met Michael when I was on his podcast, The Bible Says What?, and I enjoyed the conversation so much I knew we would have a good conversation here. Now before we jump in, I want to push a challenge. Hopefully you've listened to the episode with Ebony Walden, which talks about staying at the table, because that call is very relevant here. I want to invite you to stay at the table. This was a fun conversation that taps into some hard things, and I believe that it's incredibly valuable, especially for the church today. You're listening to episode 105 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for this conversation with Michael. I thank you for who he is. I thank you for our good connection on his podcast. And I just thank you in advance for the connection tonight. And I don't know what this conversation is going to bring, but I just pray for you to guide the conversation. I just pray that it is honoring to you, honoring to Michael, honoring to those who listen. And I really do believe that you can do abundantly more than I could have ever asked for or imagined. So I give this to you. Thank you in advance and look forward to seeing how you work. Amen. Hi, I'm excited to have this conversation for a few reasons, but Michael and I actually connected not long ago on his podcast, The Bible Says What? And I'll get into more of the reason why I'm excited in a moment. But before we do that, Michael, one thing that I like to do in my podcast is to give guests an opportunity to share who they are hmm. in a brief but fun way. Now, here's the fun way piece. I make it like an improv game where I try to come up with some random prompt to give you to use to tell who you are. Yours, I'm not coming up on the fly. It actually popped in my head like a week ago. And I'm like, no, I'm using this. All right. <laughs> I think you're going to love it. So let's say I'm up in New York. I get over to Broadway and I decide I want to see a Broadway show. And up on the marquee, I see there's a new show out. And it's, and it's based on the book of Revelation. And it's called The Musical Apocalypse. <laughs> and, and I go in there and in the playbill, there is a character, Michael Wiseman, and it has oh, a description yeah. of who that character is. So mm -hmm. you are a character in this show. And I'm reading to see who is this Michael Wiseman? What does your little blurb in the playbill for The Musical Apocalypse say? Oh, man, what a thing. Oh, <laughs> well, I guess it would say that the, he's read the story. And it doesn't make much sense to him. So he's trying to clarify what is going on. <laughs> awesome. That's fun. Yeah, no, thanks, man. Appreciate that. You and I know why I mentioned that, but listeners might not know. Hmm. That comes from both your kind of tagline into your show, but also from your book, The Bible Says What, mm -hmm. where you actually reference Revelation being like the musical apocalypse. And, right. and here's the reason that I'm excited about this episode. I have absolutely no idea where it's going to go, but I want to make a clarification for guests that are listening because... 
This is going to be different than the other episodes in this specific series. Every other guest that I've had has been someone who believes in God, whether in a very strong way or they're trying to seek him through this whole idea of healing or experiences in their life. You do not believe in God. Mm -hmm. You identify as an atheist. Mm -hmm. Your podcast, The Bible Says What, is a space where you invite Christians on and you say, all right, let's get into this book that makes no sense to me, but you're staking your life on it. So <laughs> let's let's talk about this. And so I wanted to put that out there out the gate because somebody listening, if they're not really paying attention, is going to get very confused very soon. <laughs> True. Um, then I'll skip that part. And, Don't, go back and, right. and listen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I also wanted to encourage people to stay at the table because hmm. what can happen if somebody hears, oh, there's an atheist talking, and if they identify as a Christian, sometimes they can, like you said, just skip ahead. They could just yeah. say, I'm, mm -mm, I'm not interested. But you already know I'm a believer. People who listen to my podcast know I'm a believer in Jesus. And I'm a believer in prayer. And so I felt a nudge to do this, mm. even though I was like, man, this could go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> so, you know, before we jump in more, just tell me a little bit more about your podcast and anything else you might want to say about yourself. Yeah, no, podcast is uh, obviously the Bible says what I have conversations with religious leaders all over the world from you know around the entire globe. We talk about why they believe what they believe. And I use a lot of Bible verses to kind of just keep the conversation going and, and question things. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, the book itself, it came out last year. It's 13 chapters from in the beginning to the musical apocalypse. I mean, it's everything in there. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the musical apocalypse itself comes from, I've read it, and there's so much music you've got. There is. You've got the trumpets. You've got the singing animals. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just so over the top. Yeah. So it's a hard look at what the Bible says. Yeah. And that's kind of where the podcast goes as well, but just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. We had a great conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I just made a best of and you're in it. Oh, so. nice. Yeah. Now I'm going to I'm gonna have to watch that. <laughs> Hopefully it's the good stuff. Yeah, I said. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, somebody listening might be thinking, man, why did Paul have Michael come on to this season that's talking about healing? Because mm. Michael clearly doesn't believe that God can heal. And he probably has some strong reservations about even the topic itself. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot we could end up talking about. But where I want to start is this. What I know about you is that you have an Atheist versus Christian podcast. Hmm. And I know that you have a history with Christianity and the church. But I don't know what that story is. So mm. just to start off, whatever you're willing to share, I'd love to hear a bit of that story. Yeah. The story of Michael before he was an atheist, the story that led to Michael eventually having a podcast. Well, awesome. Thank you. I grew up in the church. Both parents are pastors. Pretty much everybody in my family's in the church one way or another. I'm kind of the black sheep, you know, just the one who doesn't do that, doesn't believe that, kind of goes against the green there. It was a point, there was, it was a lot of points, but one point in particular, I'll never forget my mom asking me or telling me that, Michael, you know the Bible, but you don't know the Bible. And she was right, 100%. I didn't actually read it. I hadn't actually looked into these stories I've been taught my whole life. I mean, I was doing puppets in the nursery school. I mean, mm -hmm. that's how far into it I was. So when I actually picked up the book, when I actually read these stories I was taught as a kid, the flood story, the, the, the exodus, all these different ones, I came up with a lot of questions. And what I had seen from reading these stories is that the God described within the Bible, the creator, the, the loving God, this loving father figure, was really not. He, he was kind of a monster. And the stories, the more I read the stories, the more that kind of just reared its ugly head. It, it was just it was kind of hard to ignore at that point. 
And that's kind of where I started with writing the book. I wrote down all these verses. I went to these stories. I looked into them and I just had all these questions and I just kept going from there. And I wrote the book and then the podcast came along just afterwards. I was having these conversations with pastors, whether I had the podcast or not. I'm still going to be having these conversations with pastors. These are religious leaders. These are the people that teach people. They know, they should know, at least, you know, be able to back up what they believe. So, I mean, if anybody has the answers, it'd be these people. And that's kind of where I started. And man, it has just gone from there. (laughs) It's been a wild ride. I've enjoyed it all, though. It's been fun. Yeah. So when you started asking these questions, what age were you when you started to really question does God even exist? Teenage years, there was a lot of angst, a lot of pressure to obey and follow. And, you know, when you're a teenager, you're like, screw authority. <laughs> so that's kind of where it started. I was able to question at that point. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the, uh, what are those, the, the Tribulation trilogies, the 1970s films, mm-hmm. uh, Thief in the Night or whatever, scared the crap out of me as a kid. Like, that was mm-hmm. it, man. That, that was real life. That was going to happen. I planned my adulthood based off of what I had seen in that movie and the things I'd read in the Bible. So if I could just, at this point, live my life how I wanted to, and later on, once the tribulation happened, just accept Jesus and be like, okay, I was wrong, I was wrong, and then to get decapitated. Mm. And that would be my way out. Mm. That was These were the things I was thinking as a kid. Yeah. So I went from there to eventually just reading the stories in my adult, you know, I'm 25 to 30-ish. So I really started to look into it a little bit more, the history of it, mm-hmm. where the Bible came from, the people that wrote it, why they wrote it, what they believed, their history. You know, Canaanites, the Israelites were originally Canaanites and all that shenanigans. But yeah, I did a lot of research into it. That's where the book came yeah. <laughs> you know, All that stuff, man. Yeah. Well, and you know your Bible. Yeah, well, still, still every day I'm reading it. Like even today I I was adding to my list of Bible verses and just things. There was uh, the temptation of Jesus. I was reading that story and something came up. Actually, weird enough, I listen to pastors on the radio. Hmm. That's where I get a lot of my ideas. Things He'll say something and I'll be like, wait a minute. Well, that doesn't make sense. Let's look into that. Today it was Matthew. It was the temptation of Jesus. Mm -hmm. When Satan says, here's all the kingdoms of the world. Mm -hmm. They have been given to me. I have authority over them. I can give them to whoever I want. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wait a minute. That's a whole nother topic in itself. Satan has rule over the world. Who gave Satan the authority for that? Well, it had to be Yahweh. And it's just things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Pop up all the time. Daily Bible verses, man. I love those things. (laughs) (laughs) There's always something in there. It's like, man, that's so interesting. Let's look into that. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a constant, constant thing for me. I mean, what's funny is you're probably engaging scripture more than a lot of Christians are engaging probably, scripture, Probably, yeah. Right? And man, that's, we could go on to a whole conversation there. For what, sure. what denomination was the church that you grew up in? Evangelical Holy Roller. When you say that, tell me more about that. What does that mean? Gotcha. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. It's in, it's in the book. Nice. In the beginning is all about kind of my journey and the, how I started and whatnot. There was a time specifically that I remember there was people going up for prayer, and I was pushed by my parents to go up and go get prayed for. And there was a whole line of people and the guy in front of me, he dropped and fell and they gave him, you know, the blanket to go over next guy dropped and fell. I'm like, Oh crap. Hmm. Well, what am I going to do when I get up there? Am I going to drop and fall? What is this? (laughs) What's going on here? I get up there and the pastor, he's got his oil and his thumb and he's pushing it on my forehead and he's pulling. I'm like, Hmm. I really don't feel anything other than this guy pushing me back Mm -hmm. and the smell of his stale coffee on his breath. Mm. It was really bad. Things you don't forget. Yeah. And then then nothing happened. He kind of got frustrated. He said something about I'm going to be a youth pastor and all that shenanigans. And that's something I had heard before Mm -hmm. a couple of times. But 
and nothing happened. I didn't fall over. I mean, my whole family fell over. They, everybody shakes, you know, they do their thing. And it was scary as a kid when I first saw that. That was definitely scary. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned watching these movies that there is this fear that was kind of put in you. And Mm. man, you know, fear as a, the word that came to my mind was tactic, Mm. right? And tactic implies that someone is intentionally using fear. Yeah. I think there are some that that is a tactic they use. Some, they aren't necessarily trying to trick somebody, but they don't quite grasp that they're using fear tactics to get somebody. But Fear as a tactic can have some ramifications, yeah. and especially at a young age. And when you were talking about it, it reminded me of uh, there was a pastor long ago, Jonathan Edwards, who hmm. wrote a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I just Googled it to make sure I was getting the right name. <laughs> looks like this is a quote from it. Consider the fearful danger you are in. Tis a great furnace of wrath, a wide bottomless pit full of fire of wrath that you are held over in the hand of that God whose wrath is provoked and incensed as much against you hmm. as against many. And it just keeps on going. So I can imagine as a kid, yes. there's this piece, right? this, this fear piece. Did you often feel that? Or was it occasionally there are these external things, but internally you were kind of operating this space of fear of getting it wrong? Yeah, there was always fear, always fear in some sort. You know, you have the verse where it says, if you're just lukewarm, you're always going to spit you out. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I was taught that hell not only was a real thing, but when you went there, your skin every day would be burnt off mm-hmm. and then just regrow oh, so you can have it happen all over again. Dude, as a kid, that is scary. Yeah, That really does something to you. And then on top of all that, they teach you that you're broken. You're broken. You can't do this by yourself. You need Jesus. Without Jesus, you're nothing. That is not really helpful for a child. That's detrimental. That, As far as I'm concerned, that kind of teaching is child abuse. I mean, I grew up thinking I was worthless. I mean, youth group after youth group after youth group. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You're sinful. You're disgusting. You need this. And it, and it breaks you down till you are just minuscule. And you need this person to save you from just the way they think about you. And I think that is detrimental. And then we talked about the harm, the wounding from religion a little bit. That's where I see a lot of the wounding come from, is the breaking down of people, telling them they're worthless, they're nothing without this invisible person, mm-hmm. without this blood. And that gets weirder after that. <laughs> but for me, to tell me that I'm worthless unless I'm bathed in some demigod's blood, that's weird. And I have an issue with that. And I've grown past it. Luckily, I've been able to break free from that fear. A lot of people haven't. Yeah. I think that fear from hell is definitely one of the hardest ones to break free from. For me, anyways, at least it was. Yeah, Just that constant battering, what if, what if, what if, what if. This is your eternity. Do you want to spend eternity being burnt alive? Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who does? Yeah. <laughs> but when you dive into the stories themselves, that kind of puts you at ease. That kind of rests your fear a little bit. Like, well, this is kind of nonsense. A lot of it doesn't make sense. I can't put these two together, so I'm not as scared anymore. It's just like the boogeyman when they tell you there's a boogeyman under your bed. Well, once you start looking under the bed, it's not as scary anymore. That's just a shoe or a ball or something else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at with the whole fear part of it. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is in a lot of the conversations I've had this season, Hmm. childhood trauma is something that has come up Hmm. on occasion. Yeah. And childhood trauma can go with you, can can carry on into your adult life. Sometimes you don't even recognize the trauma you have mm. until you're grown and suddenly something triggers you and you're like, why am I feeling like this? this and you break from? it down, you realize, <laughs> oh, it's because I was told this yeah. at a young age or I experienced this at a young age. 
Now, you've encountered a lot of people who do believe like you don't believe these things, but mm -hmm. you've encountered people that do. Mm -hmm. And what this brings up is the reality that if someone like me believes that hell exists or that Jesus is the only way or any of these things that you've just mentioned, like, I don't believe that. Yeah. The question I have to ask myself is, am I cognizant of how I'm sharing what I believe, mm. particularly with kids? Yeah. Because what you've expressed is that there were people in your life who were not cognizant of that, who shared it in such a way that it was actually harmful or detrimental. Yeah. And to be fair, if somebody believes that a hell exists, I can understand why they wouldn't want to be just casual about it. Right. Yeah. Don't beat around the bush. Yeah. If they see that there is this threat. Yeah. But there's this fine line that we're hitting on here mm. is how do you communicate a risk without causing harm? Yeah. There are a lot of risks that my kids encounter in their everyday life, like going across the street, mm. right? And there's a lot of ways that I could communicate that you can't just run across the street. Mm -hmm. One way is to say, hey, you know, when you're crossing the street, cars go by, you need to look, you know what I mean? Like actually yeah, process yeah. it. Yeah. Another way is like, if you cross the street, you're going to get run over and got it, you know, right? And like- Your head will fly I could off. Communicate. <laughs> right. And I, I could like play them the clip from uh, Meet Joe Black where he's hit by the car twice <laughs> and bounced around. Like, and I could traumatize my kids. I was thinking Pet cemetery, Gage right. a little bit there. <laughs> and so it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, there are ways that we can communicate things, even things that are important to us that are either- healthy yeah. or unhealthy. And it sounds like your experience was in large part unhealthy in how it was communicated. For sure. For sure. Have you ever encountered somebody in your interactions and in your podcasts? Not that obviously they didn't convince you of what they believe, but have you ever encountered yeah. somebody who shared what they believed in a way that you're like, okay, I don't, I still don't agree with you, but the way that you're communicating that, I am not angry with you about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't get angry with the guests very often. It, yeah. No matter what anybody says, it's very hard to tick me off. I mean, yeah. to push my buttons, it takes a lot. It's happened. And when a they times. do, they are really trying to push it. <laughs> they are really trying, man. It just, it just, they know better. But I mean, the conversations typically are civil, you know that. But, yeah. but when we get into the tougher things, like, okay, so how I see this relationship regardless of if anybody's threatening me with hell, if anybody's threatening me with you're worthless without Jesus and all that stuff, it boils down to, stop me anytime, it boils down to an abusive relationship. When you read the Bible, when you dive into this Yahweh character, it's very clearly an abusive relationship. One of my children was involved with somebody that treated them or told them the things that Yahweh says in the Bible. There's no way I would approve of that relationship. Not a chance. Mm -hmm. he's, 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 he's manipulative. I'm just going to read out what I have written down here. He's an absent father that threatens eternal punishment, if not loved back. That right there is abusive. That right there is detrimental to anybody, child or adult. We've all heard of or been in an abusive relationship. And this is what I see. I'm just going to point some things out here again. Stop me anytime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he can do nothing wrong, even when he's drowning kids and puppies. He will be defended. It's it's got to be a good reason for that. It's got to be why he why he's still loving. He's still regardless of how many puppies and kids he drowns, he's still loving. I have an issue with that. See if I had a relationship with somebody that no matter what they did, no matter how horrible it is, if they were drowning puppies and kids, that relationship I would look on differently. I would probably stop that relationship and call the cops. But that's different. 
And then do not question his authority. In Job chapter 38 through 41, that's a whole thing of don't question my authority. I am God. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Romans 9.20, Deuteronomy 6.16, Matthew 4.7, all these things reiterate that we can't question his authority. And anytime that happens, I'm out. I mean, if I can't question your authority, there's something wrong at that point. Last but not least, ridiculous punishments for not listening or loving him back. If I don't love somebody back, I don't want a punishment. It's just like, well, guess what? You don't love me or I'm going to try and make you love me, you know, help you out in some way, show you how, how loving I can be or how awesome I can be anything. But Yahweh, on the other hand, if you don't love him back, he's going to punish you. We've got Malachi 2, 2, listen or be cursed. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, punish with an everlasting destruction. First Corinthians 16, 22, love him or be cursed. I don't see this as a good relationship at all even regardless of the human beings involved, when you dive into the character of Yahweh, the things he demands, the things he commands, and the words he says, I can't get behind that. And that's where a lot of my issues lie. Yeah. Now, here's what's fun. <laughs> you know, if there are some people that might already be gone. They're probably already right? gone. I'm <laughs> like, sorry. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Paul has fallen away. Something's gone wrong with Paul. But there are people who have stayed yeah. that may feel really uncomfortable right now mm. or really confused or really scared because they're like, what is he saying? Mm. Why is Paul letting him say this? Or, oh, my gosh, is that really in the Bible? Oh, oh my gosh. And if people have just gotten a taste of your podcast, by the way. Like, Kinda, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and what they got a taste of is actually one thing I really appreciate about it is I said this already, but you know, scripture, like you have gone through like mm. if people could see you. They could see you hold up a Bible that has tabs throughout it because you, <laughs> yeah. you've, you've read through it. And he also has a parental advisory sticker yeah. on it. Just, this is a fun thing. But you know your scripture. Hmm. And what I appreciate about that is, I said this earlier too, is there are a lot of Christians who don't. And there's, so there's two pieces of this. One, when you come to the table, you identify as an atheist. And when hmm. you come to the table as an atheist, you're not just coming like angry and like throwing your fist and trying to tear down Christianity. You're coming and saying, look, I grew up in the church. I read this book and this is what I'm seeing. So what have you got to say back to that? Right. Right. Yeah. And then the flip side is you have Christians who come to the table ready to fight for their God but that haven't actually read the scriptures. And, and yeah. you've had this happen on your show. Like you put something out and they're like, uh, uh. and sometimes they respond in a good way. I mean, one thing, you know, you acknowledge that you appreciated about our conversation is when I didn't know something, yes. I just said, I don't know. I, right? That's my favorite answer, um, honestly. Yeah. Which is a great and healthy answer in everyday life. Right. Hmm. But I imagine you have probably had people in your show who their main goal was to either prove themselves right or to prove you wrong. Mm. And so they would push forward even if they didn't have evidence <laughs> to back it up, even if they didn't have a logical or even if they were just going to bypass your thing and yeah. circumvent that and throw something else out, which when we're talking about healing, because mm. this is what we're talking about here. If you have somebody that understands what your show is, that maybe they know a bit of your story and that they believe that God exists. They're coming in, whether they realize it or not, understanding that in their mindset, they believe that God exists. They believe that Michael was in the church, but something wounded him in the church, and now he doesn't see God accurately. <laughs> and their response could be one of two things. If they believe in God 
and believe that you don't see God accurately right now, there could be an understanding, compassionate approach, right? Hmm. Or there could be a, I'm going to tear Michael down for being an atheist. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm right. Yeah. One is honoring to you. <laughs> the other is dishonoring yeah. and potentially causes more destruction. Have you seen those two approaches play out and how has that impacted you? hundred percent. No, some conversations and some people are a little more difficult than others. I recently had one with a person named Terry. Uh, it was a very difficult conversation. It, you know, when you're in the middle of a conversation and somebody says something and you ask a question and they don't answer it. Okay. Well, maybe they didn't hear me. Well, they ask the question again mm -hmm. and again and again and again. And finally, it's just like, why are you not answering this question? Mm -hmm. And that's where I get with a lot of these conversations with the people that push back. But honestly, most of my conversations like ours are just civil conversations. Why? How? What does this mean to you? You know, a lot of that civil back and forth. And that's my goal, essentially, is that civil back and forth. We can hash out our differences. If you have something that's a question, let's, let's answer that question and then move on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love those civil conversations. And I think that's what we, we're missing a lot of in yeah. nowadays, for sure. Yeah, It's just too much hang up on that person. It's like, well, hold on. I made a valid point. You made a valid point. Let's let's talk about that. Let's yeah. discuss it. Let's dive into it. But yeah, and yeah, I think we need more of that. And that's kind of what I try and do with the show for sure. Yeah, we get stuck in this right wrong mentality, this yeah. win lose mentality, and yeah. it becomes a competition rather than for someone like me that's a Christian. The invitation for me is to see everyone as being made in the image of God hmm. and being deserving of honor and respect hmm. for that reason, whether they have earned it or deserved it or not, right? Yeah. In my mind. And so if I'm claiming to be a Christ follower, then that's what I'm called to do. I mean, Jesus even said, love your enemies. So if I'm coming to the table with you and my goal is to tear you down or to win <laughs> the argument or to beat you up. I'm not doing anybody any favors right. and I'm actually not acknowledging that I could be causing more harm. There you go. Right. Yeah. Because I'm perpetuating these ideas. Cause you know, another thing that came to my mind earlier is I resonate with your story of the pastor and the oil and the pushing <laughs> you down because I had that happen. No, I was part of a, there's a, organization called Crew, used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ, and they realized having Crusade in their name might not be the best thing, so they changed not it to the Crew. Best idea. It was still Crusade when I was there, but I was part of a skit team. One day, a church invited us to come and perform some of our skits, hmm. and they were doing this long, I don't know if it was a revival or what. They invited this pastor in, and this was my first experience, at least that I can remember, of seeing somebody in spiritual authority that I was like, ah, I don't know that this is okay. Like before that, oh, oh, my assumption was anybody that's in spiritual authority, they must be there because they should be there, that they've yeah, yeah. either studied, that God's called them. that they, And this was the first time that I can recall seeing someone that I'm like, he should not have the microphone right now. <laughs> the first issue was he didn't come prepared, but he tried hmm. to play it off as though it was intentional. He's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have slips of paper and you can write your questions and I'll pull them out and I'll answer them. Wow. And so he starts answering people's questions. And the only one I remember is somebody asked, a, I don't even remember what the question was, but his answer was, well, you know, like the Bible says, when in Rome. And I'm like, Whoa. what? The Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> so I don't remember that verse. <laughs> and then he was going to do basically what you experienced is call people up and mm. anoint them. And if the spirit makes them fall down, yeah. then so be it. Don't fight it. And so 
there were two things that happened. One is when he came to me, I had the exact same experience. I was not feeling any Holy Spirit yeah. inviting me to fall. What I was feeling was his hand pushing on my head. Harder so I, and harder. Yeah. I, I leaned into it. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not taking me down. And he eventually gave up. Yeah. The thing that made me mad is he was trying to be prophetic. Mm. And he was trying to look at somebody and speak into him. And he talked to one. He's like, I feel like God's saying you have some some kind of a health issue. And the person was like, no, I, I don't. He's like, no, I'm good. Right, but, but I think there's something. And he like kept pushing. And the person was like, no. And he's like, well, it's, it's something in there. There's something in you and you should go to the doctor. And oh, the guy's fine. Nothing, yeah. nothing ever happened. You know, he, this was decades ago now. But this is what made me mad is he went up to the other person. We're college students, mind you. Hmm. And he looks at one of them. He's like, I feel like God is saying that you, you have financial issues. What college kid does it? 99% of college students have it. And she did. And she started weeping. And Ugh. I remember just being so angry. And we actually, a couple of us left yeah. the building and stood outside because we, we were just so angry. Like, this is wrong. What he's doing is wrong. Yeah. And so I share that story, one, just to say I resonate with you. But two, to acknowledge this kind of stuff happens. Mm. And this is actually, I think, one of the biggest missteps of God followers, Christ followers mm. throughout history is we are often unwilling to acknowledge these missteps. Mm. Sometimes we're unwilling to acknowledge them even if we're not connected with them, but we're definitely unwilling to acknowledge them if we perpetuate them. And while there are things like the Crusades in the past that some people can look at and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that was wrong. <laughs> we still have pastors that are getting caught up in sexual immorality. We have pastors who are doing awful things to kids. We mm. have pastors that mm. are teaching very dangerous theology. We still have people that are perpetuating fear and saying, you know, your skin's going to burn off and grow back and burn off and grow back. Yeah, yeah. And so when I think of what healing looks like when it comes to religious and church wounds, for me, that's one of the important steps that has to happen at some point is some acknowledgement <laughs> to start mm. up. And then what do we do about that? So I just said a whole bunch of stuff. Is there anything yeah. that that resonates in you? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> I mean, you should know me by now. You know where I'm going to go with this. So I, I mean, <laughs> why doesn't Yahweh stop these things from happening? Why doesn't Yahweh stop Yahweh God, uh, same person? Why doesn't he stop the false prophets? Why doesn't he come in and correct them? I got a whole Old Testament where he steps in every time somebody worships somebody wrong. Mm -hmm. Like he'll send armies after these people. He'll himself will step in and kill kids because they're worshiping the wrong guy. But we have false prophets running around everywhere, supposedly, and, and Yahweh's not doing anything to stop them. That's where I'm going with this, yeah. as well as, I hate this topic, but as well as the abuse in the church. Mm -hmm. It's his house. Mm -hmm. Within his own house, he allows abuse to happen. But back in the Old Testament, the second somebody does something wrong, he's there. Like the guy, I don't know about your, uh, your, your rating here, but the guy who uh, was with his, I don't know how to go to the, the, <laughs> the clean version of this. <laughs> Uh, you know, the guy that did the thing on the ground, he was not supposed to do it right, the ground. Right, yeah. He was supposed to I'm, do it in the girl and you. he killed him. Yeah, I'm with you. He killed him. I'm like, that's such a simple little small thing. But he stepped in. But when these bad things happen in churches to children, which really gets me going, really pisses me off. He doesn't stop it. He doesn't step in. The false prophets keep going. They keep doing their bad things. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not going to dive into that, but you know exactly where I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fair point. And it's actually a, a question that even believers, if they're willing to be open, honest, have asked throughout history. Yeah. And sometimes it's the broad, why do bad things happen? And, but you're taking it further. You're not just talking about cancer. You're saying, but 
in his house yeah. with people yeah. that are claiming to represent him. And, you know, you even see it in Jesus's time. There were people that were speaking false things. And mm-hmm. then in the New Testament, that's when they start saying, beware of false prophets. And it makes you wonder, well, why, why, why doesn't God stop all of it? And yeah. obviously, this would be like a whole episode in and of itself <laughs> diving into this. For sure. And, you know, I have my own thoughts around it. And like one thing, you know, for me that it makes me think of is it comes back to what I was saying earlier. If we take the route, hmm. and this is what I've heard many guests on your podcast say, that God, in wanting to create us a certain way, gave us free will, hmm. right? Then what we see in the Old Testament, as you described, it's almost like God... <laughs> Let's say God was stopping all the things from happening. Uh-huh. How did the people respond to that? Well, we would want to think that they would see that and say, oh, we're not going to do that anymore then because God intervenes when bad things happen. Uh-huh. How do they respond? They keep on doing it. People keep on doing it. And what it shows is that I'm sure guests have talked about you know, the original sin and all that. Like, There's this idea that in and of ourselves, we have the propensity to make some bad choices, right? Right. And then you even get this similar sentiment when people are telling Jesus, just show us a sign and we'll believe you. And Jesus is like, man, I could show you all the miracles and you still wouldn't believe me, right? There's this idea that even if Jesus did the greatest miracles, there would be people that would question and doubt it, right? So what I'm getting at is we as Christians, I as a Christian, people who identify as Christian often put a lot of weight on God to do all the things Hmm. and negate our own invitation responsibility. Because if God's house, he has set people up in it, those people are supposed to be the ones that are following God's leave on what it looks like to love and care. I know you don't agree with that as God's character, (laughs) but coming from if we believe that God is real, if we believe that God is good and loving. From your point of view, for sure. If we're in that premise, then those who claim to follow him should be perpetuating that same thing. Mm-hmm. And so there is this question of, are Christians willing to acknowledge the way that we are dropping the ball? Now, this doesn't answer your other question, of, but God could still step in. And yeah, I mean, for me, where I land on that is there's this world and then there's eternity. And this is a very, very broad sweep. Yeah, But we get so caught up on the things of this world. That is actually just a blip on the radar compared to eternity. And what I'm seeing is a big thing now. God sees a small thing in terms of eternity. Now, that's a very broad sweep because if we dive into it, say, but does that mean, Paul, that you're okay with abuse? No, that's yeah. not. <laughs> like, it gets murky and messy. Yeah. But as a broad sweep, this is where my mind goes to try to understand. Mm-hmm. Now, my big answer, just as I gave to you, is... I don't know. Yes, there <laughs> <Right>? it is. <laughs> but, but this is the space in which I'm trying to make sense of what you are bringing up is a valid thing to hmm. dive into. Hmm. And if I refuse to dive into it, not only am I doing what you know the guest you mentioned did, which is just trying to avoid it, but I'm yeah. dishonoring you, yeah. right? Because you're putting something out there and you're saying, come on, like, <laughs> let's talk about this. This doesn't add And up. I'm basically saying to you, you're not worth my time, Michael. Yeah. Like your opinion does not matter. And so I'm going to dismiss you because <laughs> I'm going to protect what I believe. And what I believe is that I can still believe in God and not have to have answers to everything. Like I can still believe in God and not have to defeat you. We can be friends and have a civil conversation mm. and it doesn't diminish my faith in God and it doesn't diminish your 
lack of faith, right? Like we can still be two people at the table conversing. Mm -hmm. I just had a whole lot of stuff. What's in your mind? No, I kind of want to go back. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. It's talking about how we're supposed to kill prophets who get it wrong. Not we, but Christians. (laughs) (laughs) But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You shall say to yourselves, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, I mean, Yahweh feels pretty strongly about false prophets. He even sends his own people at him. I mean, if he's not going to kill them or their kids, then he wants Christians to do it or, or the Jewish people, I guess, because his Old Testament mm-hmm. before Christians. But essentially the pre-Christians, mm-hmm. these are just ideas and laws and things that Yahweh wants done. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's where I see it as. Yeah. A lot of it doesn't add up. Loving God, all-powerful God doesn't stop things from happening in his home. That's weird. If things happened in my home, I guarantee you I'd stop it. Mm-hmm. There's no way. I mean, even even if there was another life after this. I would stop the pain from happening now if I have that option. Mm-hmm. I've said it for years. If I was God, I would make kids immune to cancer. I mean, what a simple thing. Just show some compassion. No, what we have instead is children's hospitals full of dying children that have parents that are praying and begging for Yahweh to step in and save them. And nothing happens and they still die. And one of the most disgusting things I think I've heard from pastors who have had kids is that the death of this child is there so that Yahweh can teach them a lesson. Man, there were a few things that set me off, and that is definitely one yeah. of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. The death of a child is there to teach you a lesson? How egotistical right off the bat, first thing. Holy cow, it's not all about you, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're touching on, too, the way that a Christian processes suffering. Yeah. It's interesting to see, you know, and that's when one of the opportunities I've had in this season, like I, by the end of it, I'll have recorded over 50 episodes, which is nice, unexpected Congrats. Uh, for this season, just a single season. It's been a wild ride. But there are a lot of people that have processed it in different ways. You've had one of my recent guests on, Christine Handy. Oh, yeah. And, she's cool. She's cool people. And she actually had great words to say. She's like, I really respect Michael. Oh, that's and super cool. So I feel like she would be an example. And that conversation would be an example of what this kind of discourse can look like. Mm. Because at the end of it, you two weren't mad at each other. You, mm. you both have respect for each other and actually smile when you think of the other person, right? Right. But you have completely different beliefs yeah. around what healing is, around why cancer happened for her. Yeah. It's just interesting. It, it really is a hard area yeah. for Christians to navigate. Now, one question I've been wanting to ask is you mentioned that you were the black sheep in your family, yeah. and I couldn't quite figure out in the timeline where things are now, but both your parents were pastors mm. at the time. Yeah. Are they still pastors? Is your family still majority Christian? Like, What does your family look like now? And what does interacting with your family look like having the beliefs that you have and <laughs> them having the beliefs they have? You've heard the uh, phrase uh, stepping on eggshells or around eggshells or whatever that is. Mm. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it is. There's those things we just avoid. We avoid Bible, Jesus, church, Trump, anything like that. We just avoid that because that, that's just going to get into things and territories that I'm not willing to go in to sacrifice that relationship that I have now. And it's not easy. Things will be thrown out. And it's just like it's so hard not to say something. It's like, mm, but they, they know, and they know where I stand for the most part. Mm-hmm. I haven't had that heart-to-heart conversation with them yet. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, I'm not in the church. I'm, I'm not doing all that fun stuff that everybody mm-hmm. else is doing. I don't talk about God whatsoever to them. So, I mean, they know kind of where I stand with that. Yeah. Uh, I love my family. I, I know my upbringing was them doing the best that they thought was for me. They think I'm going to burn in hell. 
So they're going to do everything they can to try and stop that from happening. Even if talking to my kids or whatever they can, they're in, they want to get that in Mm -hmm. to try and make sense. And I guess that's kind of my own fear is uh, I haven't had that full on conversation of where I stand, brought my Bible in front of them and shown them. (laughs) I guess that's my own cowardice, but you know, I respect the relationship I have. I don't blame them. I know they were just trying to do what's best for me. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can do is, is raise my kids differently, teach them to think and to question and to look into for themselves. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things I wasn't taught as a kid. So, yeah. And that's valuable, yeah. right? Like I can get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> like the idea of teaching my kids to think <laughs> and ask questions, right? Cause, cause this is the thing. I mean, I said this earlier, Christians are all over the place right now. People who identify as Christian, yeah. I'll put it that yeah. way. Because for me, when I say Christian broadly, that's supposed to mean Christ follower. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that wear that label that are not following Christ. They're, they're following something else. And there are a lot of people that believe that they're following Christ, but are following something else. Hmm. And there's been many moments that I wish someone had been raised with the same kind of thing that you're talking <laughs> about, what it means to think, to ask questions, yeah. to, to process through things, because there's just so many moments where if somebody just did that, they would see certain things break down. Yeah. And for you, like it's like, I mean, look at scripture, you're going to see scripture break down. <laughs> for me, it's like, this theology that you're holding on to, this way that you're engaging politics, this issue that you are putting up on a pedestal, if you really put this alongside the Christ that you say that you follow, you're going to see that there's some things we got to address. Conflict there for sure. <laughs> and, and it comes back, right. And it comes back to what I said earlier. We as Christians, Christians need to be willing to have some humble introspection. Mm. And so this is one thing that I try to do. I actually had an episode a year and a half ago where I was so upset at so many people who identified as Christians, what they were saying and doing, what they were claiming in the name of God, Hmm. even though I disagreed with what they were doing and the fact that they were putting God as a stamp on it, I had to step back and say, but I have a podcast called Where Did You See God? (laughs) With intros and outros where I talk about what I think God is saying and doing. So if I don't address this in myself, Hmm. then there's a problem. If I avoid asking the hard questions. So I actually did an episode that was very uncomfortable to do where I basically put it out there like, hey, I am not God. And there are going to be times where I'm going to get it wrong. Mm. And if, you know, and basically saying like, do not take my word as scripture. I'm doing the best that I can, the best I understand to be authentic in the process. But there are a lot of people who aren't because the end goal is to protect God or to protect myself or protect my religion, Uh right? The Pharisees, I bet there were Pharisees who really believed that they were honoring God as they killed the son of God, right? Like, because they had convinced themselves that this person was a threat Mm. to what God wants. And so they actually, if you believe that Jesus exists, like if we go off of that premise, they actually killed the very entity that they claimed to follow, right? And we see that today. Christians are called to unity, but step back and look at the church right now. There's so much disunity. So we're getting something wrong. <laughs> are we willing to do some humble introspection to say, what are we getting wrong and how do we address that? Hmm. Yeah, well, the church definitely, there's uh, not a whole lot of agreeing. But you did touch on something that I'm really interested in. It was the, uh, with my podcast, with my Bible stuff, I, I have a lot of verses and stuff that I know. I've read the Bible. I kind of know the basics of it. But I'm not an expert. Yeah. I'm not a theologian. I've never gone to school for any of this stuff. I've never actually really studied it other than my own studying. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a lot of books around, but do I remember what I've read? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually. Yeah. So, I mean, the main thing is, you know, yes, look into this for yourself. 
anything that I say, anything that you hear on anybody else's show, you know, as far as I'm concerned, double check it, mm -hmm. check their work. I mean, these Bible verses I'm throwing out, look at it. Now, hermeneutics might be off, you know, my, as far as I'm concerned, my hermeneutics are always on point, but that's just me. <laughs> and that's how every Christian yeah. thinks, you know, that I've got the right, the, the right yeah. translation, the right version the right idea of how this verse is supposed to go, but look into it. Compare it with other verses. Compare it with how the story goes along in the New Testament versus the Old Testament. You know, always look into it. Always check your work. And that's kind of where I've been. That's well, my journey as well is just looking into these verses. There's atheist shows and atheist YouTubers and whatever, and they'll just throw crap out. Mm -hmm. And when you look into it, you're like, that's not really a good argument. Why would you even say that? No. So no matter what you hear, look into it for yourself. Do the research. Don't take anybody's word for it. Yeah. So we're getting close to time, but I do have one question I want to ask. Let's start with the premise. Let's say that God does exist and there are Christians that believe in God mm. and they are engaging with you or someone else who identifies as an atheist. And they are recognizing that they had a bad church experience and this has led them to process through, well, I don't know if God exists, right? And now they're in a conversation. Mm. What pointers would you give to someone who is trying to be an authentic Christ follower in that conversation? What pointers could you give as to good things to do hmm. and things you shouldn't do in that conversation? <laughs> evidence is always welcome. I love evidence. If you've got something that you can show me, I know we had a conversation. We talked a little bit about a relationship with God. I mentioned if it's in the quiet places, that's not really a great place to have a conversation. You said it's kind of like a relationship with a cat. Loved it. That was great. <laughs> it's more of, yeah, for sure. Uh, evidence is a good thing. Um, Bible verses backing up what you're, you know, you're saying with it. And a hundred percent, the biggest pet peeve I have, just answer the question. Even if you don't know the answer, give me or the person asking you an I don't know. Dude, that's my favorite answer. As opposed to just ignoring the question, which you don't know the answer to. Just tell me you don't know the answer to it. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. Yeah, evidence and just answer the question, even if you don't know it. Just say, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. For sure. One, before I give the final two questions, I just want to acknowledge I really enjoyed this conversation <laughs> and I enjoy I appreciate you. Thank you. And I really hope if there was somebody listening that had that internal fear or resistance to engaging someone that doesn't think the same thing as them. Hmm. I hope this is an encouragement that you are actually capable of having an adult <laughs> <laughs> caring, understanding conversation with someone that thinks about things differently than you. It's, it's possible. Now it is hard. You named the family piece. Like, sure, there are yeah. dynamics. There may be certain relationships, hmm. but as a broad rule, all of us are capable of treating others with dignity and respect in the way that we interact. Mm -hmm. And if our goal is to defeat or tear down, then that's not going to happen. But if our goal is to love the other person, right? And if you're a Christian, that's a mandate. So, <laughs> but if the goal, you know, if the goal is to love the other person, then you don't have to win. You don't have to be right. And so I enjoy that you and I were able to talk about these things. You and I still believe differently, mm -hmm. right? But we're looking at each other and smiling because we didn't have to tear each other down. Yep. So my final two questions that I always ask, the first is this, if somebody is curious about your podcast or your book, how can they find what you're doing? The Bible says what.com. That's where everything's at. Podcasts, book, videos, all that shenanigans. I even got stickers and shirts and stuff. So it's a lot of fun for sure. Bible says what.com. Awesome. Check it out. And the book, I'm sure you can get it there. Can you also find it on like Amazon, places like that? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, 
all that shenanigans. Uh, the Bible says what.com, you get a signed copy. Ooh. But other than that, pretty much everywhere else, yeah. Yeah, it comes with stickers and <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff. Do you, do you sign it with a little Bible verse? Like, that's what Christians will do. They'll put on Bible verse, like, God is with you always. You put, like, some fun no. one, like, and then he bash them on the ground. Typically, yeah. I'm calling it, now you're going to start doing that, and everyone's going to point back I, I to might, I might. That's a good idea. <laughs> that Christian podcaster Paul Granger gave him that idea. Thanks to Paul. I'll write that on there too. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you let them know what you think. Uh, And then the last question is this, is there anything on your mind, anything else in your mind that before we go, you just wanted to make sure you got it out there? No, I just mainly let's think about things. Let's answer those questions. Even if they're, I don't knows it's an honest answer. Be honest with your interlocutor. I mean, let's, let's have that conversation. Be respectful. Even on Twitter. I ha- I struggle sometimes. It's, it's not the easiest thing. There's just that back and forth and you're like, don't say that. And you stop, but breathe breathe i think that's important <laughs> take a breath in between answering If you're a regular listener, you already know that in these final moments, I try to be prayerful and intentional. And sometimes when I pray, I look at my phone to see if the verse of the day that pops up on there is relevant. And I feel like this one's incredibly relevant. It comes from 1 John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Those ideas of fear and love wove their way throughout this conversation. There is a lot of fear that Michael had to navigate as a kid and as a teenager. And now into adulthood, he sees the ramifications of that fear. And there's a lot of moments that love has not been present, not just in his experience, but in this dialogue in general. And so often, negative engagement has its root in fear. Fear of loss. Fear of change. Fear of things not being the way that you want them to be or that you expect them to be or that they have always been. Fear is so prevalent, including in those who claim to be followers of Christ. But the message of scripture is there is no fear in love. It also says that we haven't been given a spirit of fear. But again, too often, fear is what guides us. We make fear the pathway to God. We make fear the pathway to the life that we want. But we have been called to love. As people in general, love is understood to be an incredibly valuable thing. But if you claim to be a follower of Christ, love is a mandate. So if you made it this far, I am grateful for the love that you have shown to Michael by staying at the table. But don't stop there. Michael is just one of many who have been wounded by church, Christianity, religion, and the response of the Christ followers around them will dictate how much deeper those wounds will get. And I want to close with this. If we really want to talk about healing, we need to talk about what came up in this episode, the importance of humble introspection. Because too often, our understanding, our desires, our pride shape what healing should look like, what healing needs to be, how it needs to happen, who needs to do it, and what it will or will not cost. Humble introspection forces us to acknowledge that we don't know. Again, it's Michael's favorite answer. I don't know. There is so much that I don't know. There is so much that you don't know. 
So how can we get better at owning that reality in such a way that we don't just acknowledge it with our words, but we do so with our lives, with our interactions, with our choices, with our steps? Because the sooner that we can acknowledge the importance of both love and humble introspection, the sooner that we will see healing within ourselves and within the lives of those around us. And the longer we take to do that, the deeper the wounds can get. If this episode challenged you, sit with it for a little bit. Do like Michael said, look up the verses, process it, and see what comes about. I personally believe that God exists, and I believe that humble introspection could lead me to know God in a deeper way. And I believe the same could be true for you too. So push pause, sit with the hard questions, and then ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what Revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free. Get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?